Hello and welcome to Designer vs Developer with me, Mustafa, Design Advocate at Google. This week we're speaking to Nick Butcher, a Design and Developer Advocate here at Google, about designing in code and using motion to improve your app experiences. So one of the challenges I find with like prototyping tools is you may, you spend all this time working on something and then you just throw it away. But I know like the way you've worked on say Plaid is you've actually worked in the code and prototyped in the code, which again kind of like blows my mind. Um, what is your preference uh, with that? I mean, and what are your feelings about prototyping tools? Are they a bit, um, do they hold back the design process? I'm asking you lots of questions all in one go. No, it's cool, man. You're asking me lots of questions about my favorite subject, so <laughs> that's good. Um, I love prototyping tools because they enable people to prototype, and I think more people should be prototyping. Um, I agree that I hate writing, spending time building something and making something that you might end up throwing away, um, which is why, for me, I find I don't spend a lot of time in prototyping tools because I kind of get to an idea as quickly as I can and then move into code as quickly as I can because I can code. But you know, if that's in your skill set, then moving into code might be a good option for you. Maybe you'll use something like Framer or something like that, where you might be able to use some of the code later on. Mm. Um, but if you can't code, if you can't don't have the skill set in your like you know arsenal, then maybe a prototyping tool allows you to get into that space. So I feel like more people should be prototyping, um, but I'd love to get to a space where more people can prototype in stuff that isn't going to be thrown away. So be that code or whatever it might be. Yeah, I suppose, I guess it really does come down to a point of what the intent of the prototype is. I mean, I know there's that Goldilocks principle where it's like you spend so much time and it gets so tedious. Mm. And that seems feels like wasted. Where like the prototyping tools I like Especially like recently, you've been doing like paper prototyping, where you literally just got screened paper, and you film someone, and you press it, and you put, and you change the paper right in front of them. That seems more valuable because you're learning the flow, mm -hmm. rather than thinking really like trying to prototype the transition, which seems like no, you should really be getting a developer at the very least doing something. I mean, what do you think about? I mean, like doing prototyping at all is the first step because I don't think many people are doing that enough. There's kind of lots of static um, screen design yeah. and then like things fall through the cracks. So I think anyone starting to do prototyping at all is good. But then I agree, there's totally a diminishing returns to, you know, if you spend so much time absolutely polishing every fine detail, um, then like that's kind of past the point of prototyping. For me, it's about getting to learning really quickly. It's getting to that point where you work out, is this going to work? Is this something we should pursue or should we throw it away? And if you spent loads of time polishing your like amazing prototype, yeah. then you suddenly become very like you know reticent to throw it away. You kind of like it's your baby. You yeah, kind of totally. like polish this too much, and so that's dangerous because then you're not using prototyping for prototyping's like real purpose, which is to learn. Uh, so yeah, I agree totally. I think that low fidelity stuff like paper is awesome. Like normally most of my transitions, animations, and stuff like that. I normally have post-it notes on my desk. You've probably seen my desk covered in post-it notes. Uh, and I'm like going like this, like, does this move like this? Does this surface make sense to move like this or something like that? Because it's so quick and I can throw away that idea like really, really cheaply. If I'd spent like an hour, two hours in a tool building that, uh, I might not want to throw it away because I feel like attached to it, so. Also, it's like contextually, it's like you're not designing the motion itself or the feeling of it, you just, I'm doing this transition. Does this transition look smooth? Rather than what is the intent? I think that's the thing that's oftentimes lost. Um, but then, I mean, see, this is where, I mean, I, I always have like these arguments in my head where I'm like basically slapping myself. Um, it's like on one hand, yes, I think prototyping tools 
or like spending too much time in the finite details is problematic. But especially the stuff that you've worked on, like designing delightful details, especially in the IO app, the stuff like these really like beautiful transitions, it's really hard to design those things without being able to build them. Um, like, like sketches for as great as a tool is, is how it's like designing animation, designing those things. You really need like a way to do it that you know that can be implemented. Mm -hmm. So I mean, how have you um, gone about the process of designing those like really like the icons transitioning and all that, especially in, like uh, in Plaid where the, the heart breaks when you unfavor it. Like, these things are really beautiful. But it's like, how do you actually design that? It's great to draw, I think I oh, wouldn't be great, but it's like that final step. Like I know designers use After Effects and I've never quite understood after Effects as a, as a prototyping tool, because it's just it's just an animation. I mean, um, I just don't understand After Effects. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you go about the process of designing those delightful details? Yeah, um, well, part of it is I just find it so fun. So, I think there's a lot of joy to be had in some of these animations that I want to bring back into some kind of fairly, you know, uninspiring UI sometimes. So, I find those kind of cr like delightful details, as you call them, really that like, can bring an app and an experience to life. Um, so I, I value that and I think that's like very important to a product. So part of that is like, you know, what motivates me to do it and how I do it. Um, I think for me, because I have overlapping skills in like design and development, um, I think I take inspiration from both of them. So um, for example, like those icon animations you're talking about, I kind of went really deep into understanding what the capabilities of the software, the technology were. So I knew what the primitives I had to play with were. I knew, you know, the basics of, you know, you can translate, you can rotate, you can trim like this, you can do this and that. And I think that gave me inspiration into, all right, so given these, the building blocks I can build with, what can I make? Um, and then just went from there really. So it's like, okay, so I know what I can build with it. Um, what might make sense for this transition or this state change or, you know, moving into here, do I want to direct attention or do I want to make this super subtle? Um, so I think, yeah, the combination of the intent piece you were talking about with understanding the platform and then like bringing your creativity like to that basis um, is how I went about it. So for me, yeah, learning the capabilities were a super important part of the process. And then in terms of like designing the um, motion before you've actually made it, I mean, are you do you look at the UI and you are like almost um, searching for what can I do to make this thing really <laughs> cool? I mean, what is that step? Is that you drawing on paper or is it, you know, how, how are you like visualizing that in your head? Um, for me, animation, especially like state change stuff is all about um, lessening the cognitive, cognitive load, it's hard to say. Um, for me, it's about like, you know, if something changes, how do I make it explain that change? Like the user knows what's going on. That's always where I'm coming from. I don't really start from what can I do? How can I make this show busy or, yeah. you know, like bling. Um, so, Coming from that, you normally have a start state and an end state, and I want to make the you know transition between those two as smooth as possible. So I think that's where I start from. So and then it's thinking of creative and like delightful ways that you can ease that. So I think the example you picked of like the heart breaking, you know, I knew I wanted to go from a state where you had a filled heart to a state where you had an empty heart, and it's like what could be a way that you could do this? And you know, I just that's where you bring the imagination, you yeah. play with it, and you understand the capabilities, and they thought that heartbreaking, and then it redraws. Why not? Um, and motion seems to be like the fashionable thing at the moment. Hmm. But um, my fear is motion is like the sort of the jazziness that you were speaking about, people doing it. Because we now have the capability to do it, like you have the frameworks and the libraries and whatever, which makes these transition states quite simple. The fear from my point of view is, are people just doing it for the sake of doing it? Like it becomes um, visual distraction as opposed to, what you were saying earlier, that you're supposed to be guiding a user's eye mm -hmm. uh, to like... 
That's definitely a fear. I mean, there's always a pendulum swing, right? Where something becomes easy and people overuse it and then it kind of goes out of fashion and it swings back and it probably readjusts somewhere in the middle. Like, I, I agree that maybe we are in that state, maybe with the explosion of prototyping tools, suddenly yeah. motion has become more accessible to a bunch of designers and maybe they're kind of like going into that space and like learning the boundaries and maybe there'll be a readjustment back to it. But I think you nail it because like, good motion shouldn't be noticeable in many ways. It should be that thing that kind of explains or supports what's changed, but it shouldn't be like eye-catching. And you know, sometimes it should be, sometimes you need to draw attention, yeah. but a lot of the time it should actually make the, uh, kind of a transition simpler and like you don't notice it. It should be the case where if you turn animations off and uh, that suddenly it feels very staccato and it just feels kind of like broken, like yeah. really, because you understand the motion is playing this supporting role. It's not like the star, it's yeah. kind of like helping to unfold the scene. So, I mean, and conversely, um, would, do you think that sometimes we leave motion design and in, in interaction design as an afterthought? Absolutely. Right. Like, there seems to be like, and maybe that's where the problems lie. It's like, because it's an afterthought, it's like, well, how can I make the explosions rather than, <laughs> I've got two view states, I want to go from one space to another, what can I do that actually enhances the experience, not like... Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things going on, I think, in the industry as a whole, I think, like, the increasing tooling, like making it more accessible to some people is one thing, but also a lot of people have a lot of fear because they say, hey, I'm not a motion designer, I'm an interaction designer. Yeah. I don't know what I'm kind of doing here. So I think they kind of are intentional a little bit that some people are getting into it like like headstrong and some people are like too scared to do it. So. I think we're in an interesting place in the industry now where motion is becoming more apparent. I think one of my most, um, my favorite things about material design is that it um, elevated um, motion as like yeah. a first class citizen. It, it kind of explicitly said, you know, we don't think that motion should be like sprinkled on at the end as kind of little kind of um, moments of joy or whatever. It said that this should be part of the experience. They kind of put it on the level with like, you know, layout and content and hierarchy and had motion as like one of the main pillars behind it when it kind of first launched. And I kind of really appreciate that because I. I agree. I think good motion makes an app more understandable. It's more akin to kind of interaction design to me than it is to kind of a visual or polish level. Absolutely. I mean, that's one thing I really loved about material design. I think for some of the other sort of opinionated things, it depends on the designer's individual tastes or maybe there's cultural things. But when it came to motion, a lot of designers were very ignorant to it. It's like there's that fear. It's like, unless you studied animation mm -hmm. and UI design, which very rarely most people do, mm -hmm. um, it was quite like, you know, what's the first step? Like, what's the first thing you learn? But material design sort of introduced, like, okay, these are the principles. Or here's like an opinionated theory about how mm -hmm. shape um, uh, adjusts and going from fuse. And I think that's really did elevate the industry's appreciation for it. Um, what do you think is the next step for a designer who, okay, they've seen the theory, they've got some ideas, mm -hmm. what should they be doing next? Because um, material design is great, but you, if it doesn't fit your app or if it, you know, you have other ideas, how can you um, improve on your own transition in motion? Yeah, no, I'm, I think you're right. It did a really great job of introducing a lot of people to motion. Uh, what I'd love to see is people taking that to the next level. And I think motion can be you know, a real um, like pillar in your kind of like brand strategy almost, like the personality of your like um, application or program, whatever it is. Like, um, you know, you wouldn't want every single app to use the same typeface or same color. Yeah. Uh, yet, like a lot of um, applications are using the same kind of like motion curves or the same kind of like motion strategy. Um, so I feel like as people kind of mature along the curve of like understanding when to use motion and when not to use motion, uh, I think we're going to go into more of a kind of go deeper with it and work yeah. out like how, what is, what is my brand's motion? Like, am I, how do I have this feeling? Am I kind of like, you know, you know, should I use some kind of like spring motion to kind of communicate something yeah. or am 
am I like a slower, more sophisticated thing or do I use stagger in this way? So I think we're going to see people go deeper to like express personality through different kind of emotion rather than just a vanilla, okay, we've got a transition, that's better than not having a transition, but what should that transition say or not say? In terms of the actual tool sets, uh, Lottie seems to be quite popular tool. I mean, how are you using that to design some of the icon transitions? Mm -hmm. um, so Lottie is pretty awesome. I think it's really made motion kind of more accessible to a lot of yeah. designers out there, um, especially like the ease with which you can hand off between design and engineering, I think they've done an like, absolutely fantastic job of that. Um, if anyone has not used it, it's basically an After Effects plugin, which means you can export from that straight into a, uh, like a JSON format, and nice. then you drop that straight into like the web or Android or iOS. It will have like players for it, which will then just play it. So like in terms of like workflow, I think it's been phenomenal. Um, you know, there's definitely some ups and downsides to that. Like, so uh, it's very tied to After Effects. So if you want to work in After yeah. Effects, um, then it's great. So, but it, that can be also be extremely daunting for some people. So say you just want to do a simple icon animation. Say you want to do like, you know, the hamburger to a back button or something like that. Like if, you, if you're not already skilled up in After Effects, then it's kind of not going to help you out yeah. there really. Um, so I think it's good. Like I would like to see more tools like that make motion accessible to people, um, as well as um, on Android, the platform I've worked on the most. Um, there is a native kind of like comparable version called Animated Vector Drawable, um, which has some advantages in some ways, like performance, and it's kind of more closely tied to the Android system. Yeah. But then Lottie has some um, advantages, like you can download animations on demand, which I think is super cool. It's kind of like you wouldn't embed every image in your application; it's going to show, right? You would download them on demand, yeah. but animation at the moment is built like that. So we bake every single animation, like handcrafted, bake it into the um, application. Whereas with Lottie, you could like, you know, download it on demand and you can control the progress and scrub through it. So it has a lot of strengths as well. So, so do you think that's the, the future of prototyping tools where there's like a segue where you're downloading a JSON file that you can hand over to a developer who is waiting for the transition, but it just plugs into your you're the thing that you've produced to make the, the whole collaborative process much more. Yeah, like the standard like format for interchange like between design and development enables all kinds of possibilities. And I think that's really exciting. Um, I'd love to see kind of like, you know, an industry standard around this or something, because at the moment it's just kind of emerged, basically it's basically an expression of what After Effects can do, and After Effects can do a, a lot of crazy yeah, stuff, right. which doesn't necessarily make sense in the UI world. Um, so I'd love to see like maybe a progression or a discussion around this format and working out what are the primitives of like an animation and how do we have like, you know, what is the ping of like um, animation? So at the minute, like every image editing piece of software can like produce like a graphics file that you can give to in an app or you can open it with a different graphics editor. But motion isn't like that right now. Like all of them have their own formats, right? So you can't like work in After Effects and then take that and open it in principle or then take that and export it, which you can then consume in an app or anything like that. It's yeah. like missing that interflow um, between different applications. So I'd love to see the industry kind of mature perhaps uh, or like standardize maybe and get to a place where there is this like standard interchange perhaps, uh, which enables things like, you know, small sharp tools which are oh, I'm gonna use this tool which is great at doing this thing but then I might do something else in this tool and just like give people the choice to kind of like work in the tool that kind of like uh, works for them really yeah um, just going back to some of the other stuff like specifically material design I think one of the challenges we've always had is um, because of the way the, uh, the material design guidelines are written is like do's and don'ts and I think that's really helpful for people who 
really introduced into design, but likewise it's come across as a, these are complete rules. And the thing that we've mm -hmm. always pushed at is, is guidance. Um, and I know you were speaking about the material design layer cake, if, layer you, cake. if you can remember. Um, and wh wh what do you think about this idea of guides versus rules or vice versa? Yeah, totally. I completely agree. I think the, the way that the guidelines are written are really good. They're kind of aiming to be succinct and that they kind of like have these clear examples, do this, don't do that. But they can seem very prescriptive because of that. And people, and we don't always kind of, uh, communicate when something is kind of like nearer to a rule and when something is nearer to a guideline. And there is a variety of those things. And uh, we were talking a while ago about this layer cake um, metaphor where there's kind of three layers or three different types of guideline in the material guidelines. Um, and as such, they kind of like how close to a rule they are kind of varies. And the way we kind of been thinking about it is that at the bottom layer, you have this kind of layer of foundational type things, which is based on stuff which is kind of observably true, you know, based on how, you know, people interact with computers, like how big people's fingers are, yeah. like certain things are just kind of The ergonomics, facts. the physical. Right, so when we say like, don't use touch targets smaller than 48 DPs, and you know, that's, that's not gonna change, right? So like, that's nearer to a rule, right? And so you shouldn't really violate that. Um, the next layer is something called like, um, we think of conventions. So that that's saying there may be, you know, a dozen different ways you could solve a design challenge. Um, but if every application approached it as a novel thing, then users couldn't learn it in one place and apply it elsewhere. Yeah. And as such, it's gonna feel harder to harder to use your app um, or it's just gonna feel like a mess. The platform isn't gonna feel like it has any like rules of the road, right? Um, so in those cases, it's kind of like a, not a rule, not a guideline, somewhere in between, you know, trying to start from the patterns defined in, you know, uh, on the platform and then vary if it isn't working for you, but only do it for a good reason, like deviate with purpose, I guess, is the yeah. phrase we've been using. Um, and then the top layer of this cake, um, I guess, is one of like, um, I think it was personality. So that's things like, you know, the colors that you choose, uh, the, the type that you set, um, you know, the, the motion perhaps, like the curves that you use in this, you know, we have to express it somehow when we give the guidelines. And yeah. so, you know, we, we kind of use some fonts and some colors, but those are in no way prescriptive, right? Just because material says there's, here's a bunch of different reds you might want to use, kind of we want to help people out if they don't know where to start from, doesn't mean these are the only shades of red, right? If you're Ferrari or the BBC or whatever, you have your own brand palette and you're probably gonna pick from that. You have to pick from that. You're not gonna to stick to that and um, stick to the material guidelines. So like, I hope that kind of, you know, illustrates like that while it might seem like rules sometimes that it varies based on the kind of like level of the cake, I guess you're at. And, uh, uh, you know, you need to understand that as well. So you know when to vary it and you know when to stick kind of closer to the platform. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's really important. Just, I mean, even just the education of that, like, I think sometimes people mix and match the sort of the second layer and the last layer, like, um, but wh where do you see um, the future of, say, like, not just material design, but just motion design in general? Like, mm -hmm. we've been saying with most of the guests, like, in, in like, what do you see the next 10 years? And, and it's such a hard question, because it's like being asking someone to predict the future is the worst thing you could possibly do, but yeah. I do that anyway. Um, so what do you think the next computing paradigm is, um, or like the next motion, or, or the, the new thing that you reckon um, will shape the industry? Yeah, I, I don't know, uh, of course, <laughs> but I'm excited to find out. I think like motion is gonna be a big part of it. Like I kind of like, I'm interested to see how, 
we're in this kind of like model at the minute where that everything's in a box, like you go into an app and out of an app. And I think that's kind of probably going to get start getting mixed up a little bit and kind of have these experiences which blend like from different like um, apps or different like brands or whatever it might be together. And seeing how they do that in a cohesive way is going to be interesting. And I think motion could play a good part of that. Like I think, you know, again, expressing your brand when you don't necessarily own the whole screen is going to be kind of quite interesting. Okay, well, thank you very much. Cheers, thank you.